they should be there in the good in the song. Yeah, yeah. The performance and the musicians, but it also should be uh, fun to see. Yeah, indeed. Like some bands are boring. They're very good. They're very boring. Uh-huh. <laughs> Never wanted to be boring. Uh-huh. And the glam thing always got to me. And part of it is just the childhood of growing up in the 70s and hearing David Bowie on the radio. Yeah, sure. Somewhere when I was six or seven and I had a little clothes and play record player. On this I episode of Playtime, punk rock, glam rock, trash rock, post-post-modern punk, it's all the same. The artist, formerly known as Vince, is my guest. I'm your host, W.C. Turk. The first thing you'll notice on the new EP of Problematic Opera from the artist formerly, get it? Formerly known as Vince, is Energy, followed closely by Harmony. Take a closer look at the band's namesake, Vince Sanfilippo, and one can track the evolution of the Chicago's natives' exemplary grasp on melodic structure. There are elements here of many of punk's greats, Buzzcocks, Girl School, Runaways, Chicago's own 11th Dream Day, and the East Coast's Tiny Lights. Together with post-punk accompanying vocals from longtime collaborator Lauren Kurtz and a killer band, the artist, formerly known as Vince, is a force to be reckoned with in Chicago's music scene. The website is Vince Rocks. The artist, formerly known as Vince Band at Bandcamp, they're also on Apple Music and Spotify, uh, and we'll post links to that in the notes below. And on Facebook, the artist, formerly known as Vince Band, how are you, man? Welcome. Doing all right. All Not right. For a Monday. Ab- absolutely. And and by the way, just for your your comfort level, the video is just for our back and forth. Yeah, I wasn't so, sure. But uh, I, I got to say, if a pterodactyl or Bigfoot flies behind you, uh, I'm posting that. Other that, other than that, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> man, I, I, I've I had I'm I'm going to confess that I had not been familiar with uh with your music before uh and i I spent the last several weeks uh really doing as much of a deep dive as i possibly could in into your sound man and and i was uh really pleasantly surprised wow that's great yeah yeah (laughs) to be surprising (laughs) (laughs) uh it it by the way it occurs to me that music critics drop uh, these innocuous terms like forced to be reckoned with, and then they disappear into the ether having uh, uh, without having to justify that. But but the band really congeals around you and Lauren um, in, in a wonderful way, especially on this on this new EP. Let's start with the current band and uh, and how you guys all came together. A long series of building the band from 
the early days to now. Uh-huh. So at a, at a certain point, Lauren and I started singing together in as, as a duet, which we still do on occasion. Uh, we dropped it for a few years, not like for any reason. It just kind of faded away and then mm-hmm. now it's kind of faded back. But uh, at the time we were doing that, I lost some band members and was kind of rotating my band around me. Mm-hmm. No one was really singing back up when they did step in and I needed that. So I said, why don't you join the band also? And she's like, I'm in. <laughs> so, so that's two. Point, so at which point that took and then and it took a lot more of a presence at that point. Initially, it was a bass player yeah. singing back up where it became once Lauren was in the band, it became we're both the singers of this band. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Both of us. Uh, and then at some point, I was, again, looking for rhythm section, asked a friend who's a bass player. Or he Chris, actually, Chris Geisler? No. Oh, okay. There's, there's steps to this. All right. Uh, it's a long time ago. Um, I asked a guy I knew who had a band. He was playing guitar and singing in, but he always kept saying to me, well, I, I'm originally a bass player. Uh-huh. And he kind of hinted at things. And he loved, loved the band. He used to come see us all the time. And I said, you want to come play bass for me? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, would your drummer be interested? And he's like, let me ask him. And I knew the drummer. I knew the whole band. But the one guy I asked initially was the one who I really knew. So he brought Brian along. Okay, Brian Chinino. Yeah. yeah. The drummer. And um, so we all started playing. And mm-hmm. it was great. And then the bass player is the one who kind of flaked on us. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but Brian stuck it out. Like, you know, there was, there was a downtime for a period where they were busy making their record. He's a hell of a backbone, man. He's a hell of a drummer. He's he's amazing. And and, and I have to say we're missing him because he moved to Nashville right at the beginning oh, of the gosh. pandemic. Yeah. And he's doing great down there, but now he's not our drummer anymore. He's an, he's our occasional drummer. Okay. Like, like, right. We played a show with him last year. We're trying to play some more shows with him this year, but we have different different folks here in Chicago playing with us now, but we have a long history because this was you know, yeah. 15 years ago, probably yeah. he joined. So he stuck it out and we kept the band going. And then I uh, started working with Chris at a job, just working mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. ran into him one night and started mm-hmm. talking. And I noticed his tattoo of bass strings. And I'm like, what band are you in? He's like, I'm not in a band. I just moved to Chicago four months ago and I'm <laughs> meeting people. And I know you just because we work together and I barely know you. I'm like, you want to play some music? And he's like, yes. And then we were making our record on display years ago. And I asked V Sonnets, who is now the guitar player in the band, mm-hmm. to play some keyboards on the record. And he played one track on guitar. So he's like, you know, if you want, I can play keyboards in the band like when i'm free i got a, mm-hmm. i got a bunch mm-hmm. of other things going on i'm like well that would be perfect because it's the kind of thing if you're there cool if you're not it's not a big deal mm-hmm. because we mm-hmm. really have the rest of the band together and then he started playing with us at the end of 2011 live mm-hmm. like we were going out to brooklyn to play new year's eve and i was talking to him he's like i got nothing going on he goes none of my bands are playing i don't have to work i have no plans he's like can i come play that show and i'm like uh-huh. yeah and from then on out, he was the keyboard player for, I don't know, six, eight months. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Timelines are hard at this point in my life, especially that many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, and somewhere along the lines, there was a falling out with the guitar player for the second time. We played a couple shows without him and we just covered a little extra on keyboards. 
And I'm like, we'll figure out another guitar player, you know, lead guitar player. And then we decided to get together and rehearse one night. And V walked in. He's like, I learned everything on guitar. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> I'll, right. I'll just be a guitar player. And he and and that's the thing. It's like he's both. He's he's all, around town. Everyone knows him as a guitar player, but he's equal on keyboards, which is why uh -huh. I brought him in for the record just for fun. And then, but he's like, I'll just I'll just be the guitar player. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> who am I to complain about that? You guys seem to have really great chemistry on on this album, uh, especially. And then, so it it it, it kind of seems like, uh, and we'll touch on this this a little bit more later that it was beginning to come together with on display, but it really congealed for this album, right? Or for this, yeah, EP. on display when we made it. Yeah, we didn't have a lead guitar player. Okay. Just we were playing, Our, uh, you know, a friend of ours had been filling in, but he was in a couple other bands and he was getting married and having kids and yeah. the whole nine yards. And he's still a good friend. And he and I have a side project that every once in a while we write a song and record it. Mm -hmm. um, but he just didn't have the time. Okay. And, but, and we started to like make a plan to record and he was going to initially be on the record and it just wasn't working out timing wise. So we just went in and made the record without a lead guitar player. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I I can get people to do that after the fact. So the me, Chris, Brian, and Lauren went in and yeah. laid everything down. And then uh, I asked a few friends to fill in the guitar parts and mm -hmm. play, play keyboards. And then after that, it really, like I said, we the one guitar player came back. But once V fully came on and took over guitar it really took it to its you know next step yeah once that happened it really it got strong and we you know we made a single a few years mm -hmm. ago in new york that was the five of us and then another mm -hmm. one here in town and then finally we're like was that that was luck uh luck was yeah luck was the last uh standalone yeah. single we did that at a yeah. friend of our studio here in Chicago. Okay. And before that, we did a single that we have listed as the NYC single that yeah. we recorded in New York with Ivan Julian from uh, Richard Held and the Voidoids. Yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about uh, about your experience with uh, with Ivan here here shortly. You produced this. Uh, you recorded and, and produced this, uh, uh, this EP yourself, right? Um, well, no. Uh, the band and we work with my brother Tony Sanfilippo, who has been okay. studio okay. in Illinois, I've done all the records basically with him because he and I just have such a way of working together. Yeah, yeah. We grew up together and mm -hmm. played music together, and we're in bands together. But he eventually shifted to production, more of being an engineer yeah. and record producer for yeah. a living. He still plays and is still a professional musician, but he does mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. so we've always worked with him, and it's kind of a symbiotic production. Like, I'll yeah. depend on him for the technical stuff, and he's got great ideas as a producer. But I also have the ideas I know going in with that I want. And then the other four of the band all have bold opinions <laughs> <laughs> and and are willing to share them and i'm always willing to listen so to it's them. a it, it's kind They're of a it, it's a collaborative right yeah yeah, yeah. I, I have to ask this because there's such great energy on this ep do you and the band record separately or all together to to capture that live energy 
mostly live. I mean, okay. we, we do the basic, we do the basics live, like the four of us playing instruments. And then from there, we, you know, we fix things if there's problems, because, yeah. you know, that's how music works. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we do all the vocals separate to really give control uh-huh. and, you know, and overdub extra guitars and keyboards and interesting things. But yeah, we try and get in with the four of us on the floor, getting the instruments down, really locked in as a unit. It's just, you know, you might have to fix a bum note, you mm-hmm. know, but overall the energy of what we do is there. And then the vocals, it's easy to be energetic after that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes Lauren and I worked a million different ways over the years and certain songs we might record together. I mean, we might be in separate spaces looking at each other through a window. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, not always, but it's like sometimes we like to do it at the same time. Because we just kind of get can lock in with each other a little better at the same time. Other mm-hmm. things we do separately, but yeah, it does kind of bring the energy by starting with a live bass. And I, I want to give I want to give Lauren uh, her props because she's such an integral part of the band. Who is Lauren Kurtz? Who is Lauren Kurtz? Lauren Kurtz is like my best friend in the world. Uh huh. <laughs> We met years ago uh, through one of her friends who was very good friends with uh, my ex. She's like, you guys have to meet my friend Lauren. And we all hit it off immediately, but she and I just was was an immediate bond. Uh Which is why it led to, I heard her sing and said, you want to sing some songs with me one night? I I, I need, years ago when the first, when the, uh, we have a record called at last, which I don't know if it's on Bandcamp or not. I can't remember if I put it up there or not. And it was really the first band record. Uh-huh. Even though it wasn't the band, because uh-huh. it was 40 different people on it. All my friends played on it. Uh, but we were going out to do live shows for it. We had to play the show in DeKalb. And a couple weeks before, they're like, um, all right, you have to do all night. And I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have one record. They're like, we can get another band if you want, but it's still $100. So it's $100 for you guys alone, or it's $100 for you and any other band you put on it. Total. <laughs> you split the money. So I asked Lauren to sing with me. I'm like, you want to come out and do a set? You know, learn some of my songs, like a couple of cover songs maybe. And then the band will play. And that way I didn't have to pay another band 50 bucks. I can just <laughs> cover us. And that's why it became a thing. And over the years, it's just grown and grown and grown yeah you guys have been locked together creatively from that early dylan-esque stuff with with you guys and and basically an acoustic guitar through the new stuff with with the band yeah what was the new sound always the ultimate destination in that in that creative algorithm between you guys or or did it just evolve that evolved. I mean, the yeah, sound of the yeah. band has always been what it is, hopefully getting better all the time and getting deeper over the years. Okay. But the her and I initially was kind of the folky Americana, Dylan, Joan Baez thing. And then when I brought her into the band, mm-hmm. just again, because I needed that backing mm-hmm. vocal, but she was picking up more spaces on her own where she's like, can I sing this part? Can I sing on this part? And I'm like, yes. 
And that's where it really developed to the point where once I started writing after she was in the band, I could keep her in mind. Mm -hmm. Some things are very specifically written to be the back and forth. Well, that was the day behind the curtain of madness drives the wild. I write most of it, even though, like, most of the stuff she's written with me, we do more of the acoustic stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's not much of it on recorded yet, but we have a few songs that we wrote years ago that I have started and we're going to eventually finish. And I really enjoy that early stuff. Yeah. And yeah. it was it was great. And having her on it, you know, gave it a new perspective. But over the years, I was able even and even on the, the EP she and I did, there's some things on there that are specifically written for her. Okay. Like in my head, I was writing for her voice, for her perspective of the world as I understand it. And I have a pretty wow. good understanding. I mean, uh-huh. she and I understand how each other looks at everything because we're, <laughs> we're really that close. Uh-huh. So you got to write from her perspective and put it into like even some lyrical things that I think, think sound like how she talks, you know. So... You know, a lot of bands that the singer, it's all about their focus. Okay. Which is fine. Again, yeah, I've yeah. never found Lauren. I probably would be more still in that mood. Yeah. Yeah. You know? But yeah. because I found her and we have this thing, I can write to her strengths, thought processes and mine, and we can mesh it and I can base it on things that she and I talk about or experiences we've had together in our travels around with the band and other places that I can bring that into it and it just broadens everything. Mm-hmm. What, what is, so then what is her, her creative contribution to the music or are you, are you the primary music, music craftsperson or, or writer uh, and, and then everybody else kind of brings their sensibilities or their, their essence to, to that, that initial piece that's mostly it i come in with songs yeah yeah. um full completed songs Mm -hmm. you know there's like and there's something on there's one song on on display called laser beam precision that lauren wrote the chorus like she Uh sent me the words Uh one day and i was like i can do something with that turned it into a song um and like i said she and i have written a couple songs together that are full on like she's like i got this idea here's the lyrics i even wrote a couple chords and then i adjust it and i add some other chords but that's more the folk stuff that we've never released mm-hmm. but i come in i come in with the song and say this is how it goes and then the band starts playing along to it and they, they have kind of free reign to do what they need to do you know i can i can edit if needed which is pretty rare 
if uh-huh. once in a while it's been like I really don't like that but if you went there or once in a while someone hits on something really great that I'm like Keith don't ever forget that yeah or I needed to break but you've, you've you guys have worked together for so long on display right. came out in 2011 so you yeah. guys have been have been together for for more than a decade and yeah. so I, I I'm I'm sure there's there's a there's just a natural synergy there there is everyone yeah, just yeah. knows where to jump in and where to jump out and i can listen to it occasionally with the producer ear not that they don't listen that way either because they do mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There, there's been moments even like on on display there were a couple things i can't place them now but i know when we got to recording them based on what chris was doing on the bass i'm like this is a good section for me to barely play the guitar and we're not going to put another guitar there because that thing he just came up with would be a nice little feature for those 12 bars. Mm-hmm. And it should be heard because it's so interesting. And I would have never come up with that on my own. <laughs> like I had the chord changes there, but he came up with the interesting line there to go along with everything. So everyone has their space and we try and find spaces to show off everyone's thing. And again, that's why I'm like, I just throw it out to the band and and, mm-hmm. and everyone is the arrangement is everyone because there are occasions where someone will say, you know, do we need the chorus there? Or should we just do two verses in a row mm-hmm. or should we move the solo section up to here and then the verse to here? So I might rearrange the order of the things I've written based mm-hmm. on everyone jumping in with a great idea, having everyone's great view of that. Yeah just makes the the bones i brought in that much more yeah yeah um i, I had had a, a great conversation with john gallagher uh and uh, and martin barr uh and and they both talked about those that that collaborative style so martin his work with, with jethro tall uh and ian anderson ian anderson was this this is how it is this is how it's going to be played this is how i wrote it that's it. He was he was the strictest kind of kind of manager. And then Martin went and played uh, did, did a did a guest piece with uh, with Paul McCartney and was astounded at at McCartney's. Let's see what you think about it, and we'll we'll play. You know, we'll we'll see if that works and and go from there. So it was this, it was this really collaborative, interpretive uh, style of of music as opposed to this. Um, you know this this heavy management style uh, on on the other side, um, but I, I've I've found that the very best music encourages that that collaboration and that that creative interpretation by everybody in the band, even if they're not the principal songwriter. Yeah, I totally. That's, yeah, that's how I've always approached it. Yeah, I've always done things like that. And I've yeah. been like, I was in a band for years where I played bass. That's how I started playing bass, which is something uh-huh. I do on the side. And it was half and half of that. Like the songwriter really knew what he wanted. He used to demo everything completely. A drum machine, but he programmed it very well. So drummers had a little more space. I had a little less space on bass to do my own thing. But certain songs, we would learn that way where he wouldn't do that. And I had the room and it was cool. But I understand the concept. But I've always been, everyone who around me is probably better at what they do than I am. 
to go with the take on my name, which is obviously stolen from Prince. <laughs> I am not Prince. I cannot play everything. Well, I'll correct you there and say he was the artist formerly. Exactly. Known, and you're the artist formally. Yeah. But it did come out of that because it goes back <laughs> to that period of time is when I got settled or blessed with this name that friends of mine jokingly said, and then I altered to formal. Uh, um, and I, and even the first tape I made in the nineties under this name, I did actually play every instrument just to go with that. Uh-huh. And it's all right. It's okay. I don't really share that one anymore, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not a killer drummer. I'm not, I'm an, I'm a pretty good bass player. I'm not a lead guitar player. I'm not much of a keyboard player. I can, tinker around on all of them and i can you know record in my studio at uh-huh. home that way but having people who are great at those things who have great ideas on those yeah. things which is everyone in my band yeah jumping yeah. in on it just brings it to this next level of things that indeed i'm always impressed when we get done at the end of the night of learning a new song mm-hmm. how it actually sounds now because it might sound a little different in my head when i walk in kind of like the band it might sound like but it really goes somewhere else with everyone Uh because they have such great ideas and such great skills and i I have to say that that one of the real powerful strengths of of the band uh is is your your adeptness at melodic structure there are a lot of bands especially a lot of punk bands where where there, there's not a lot of emphasis on on melody or that or that that melodic structure, um, but you you have you have a solid sense of that, man. So I always hope for, yeah. That's what I'm trying for, yeah. It probably yeah. comes out of not me not being a kid who joined a punk rock band. You started in theater. I started. Yeah, I have a I have a theater background. Uh-huh. I played piano as a child. I can't. I can't call myself a piano player. Had I stuck with it, I might have been an all right piano player. Now I'm a guy who can tinker a few notes. I can't really <laughs> sit down and play the piano. I can't read piano music anymore, even though for a short period of my life, three or four years, I could. Uh-huh. But the lessons in that stuck in my head to be melodic. Sure. It makes it natural when I picked up a guitar to hear how things go together. And in my early, like when I first strummed a guitar in high school Uh was showing me stuff but when i got into college and decided i want to pay a little more attention to it and i needed to write some songs for a play that i was doing where i was playing guitar in the play but i needed a song i started writing and my initial early writings was more bob dylan-ish okay okay a guy and a guitar yeah well guitars are all melody and and the piano is melody plus rhythm Right. So they're 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 two different sides of the same coin, but right. Um, but I went were... into it with that theory that I want to be able to I always want to write a song that all I need to do is strum a guitar and sing. And some bands don't do that. And some yeah. bands yeah. have great songs that one person couldn't really sit down and just play. Yeah. Not to say it's not a great song. A song should be good enough that you can sit there just with your guitar or mm-hmm. I mean, or a piano if you're a piano player, which is, you know, I wish I was a piano player because you can take songs so much farther, I think, on the piano, just because you can do the rhythm, you can do the mm-hmm. melody, the counter mm-hmm. melody, singing with it. 
it's harder to do on guitar. And there are yeah. people who can do it yeah. on guitar. I'm just not one of those. <laughs> but I always liked when someone said to me that I don't remember who said it to me first, but then I found various other artists say it. You should just be able to grab your guitar and sing the song and it's enough. Yeah. Everything else yeah. is, you know, ornate and decoration on that. Yeah, we get some of that on the on the earlier stuff where you you'll throw in a little keyboard or 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 something. Right, and I, yeah. we're we're going to come back. We're going to go back to that earlier stuff in in a bit of, uh, in, in a bit because I want to I want to I want to kind of do a deep dive into that. But I kept trying to narrow down a, a description of the band's sound. Uh, glam rock, trash rock, all fell really short to me, man. Um, post post punk uh camp rock because you guys have this sort of it's not a it's not a comedic take on the world but but there's there's a camp kind of take on the world and and that also sort of fits with with the theater component of of you so i i was i was just trying trying for that but what is the best description that that vince has for for the band um <laughs> uh, yeah i don't have a best description because yeah, all of those yeah. things fit um i do i do like well, to think it's theatrical yeah because of my background yeah i've always been um it should be the bass should be there in the good in the song yeah yeah and the performance and the musicians but it also should be uh fun to see yeah indeed like some bands are boring they're very good they're very boring. Uh-huh. <laughs> Never wanted to be boring. Uh-huh. And the glam thing always got to me. I mean, part of it is just childhood of growing up in the 70s and hearing David Bowie on the radio. Yeah, sure. And somewhere when I was six or seven and I had a little close and play record player, I had <laughs> Ballroom Blitz as a seven inch single. I don't know where it came from in my parents' house. My parents uh-huh. have great taste in music. Uh-huh. Weird things. But that one wasn't has always stuck out to me about when did my parents end up with ballroom blitz? <laughs> Cause I didn't go buy it. I was six or seven years old. I don't know where it came from. Like well, maybe so. So and, maybe and going back to what you said, Martin bear earlier. Yeah. Jethro Paul is one of my favorites. Cause it was one of my dad's favorites. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I listened to them a lot as a kid. Okay. Okay. I mean, I, I can, I can, <laughs> I, I can see that coming through in your music a bit. Yeah. Um, So let me, let me kind of, go at it this way then ivan julian said this about punk's roots everyone has gotten sick of the corporate pinup doll uh they were shoveling out to everyone with no message and nothing that related to real people the audience was looking for something else as well which i think comes really close to describing the artist formerly known as vince's sound you played with ivan right uh he we went in the studio with him. Yeah. I was lucky enough to meet him years ago here in Chicago with his friend, Nick Tremulous. Oh, Nick, Nick's so, been on the, on the show. Yeah. Uh, I know Nick. Yeah. I, I worked one of his charity concerts years ago and, um, Nick's assistant producer, um, publicist who uh-huh. helped him organize all those sent me to pick up Ivan and David wow. Johansson at a hotel. Okay. Concert. She picked me specifically because she knew <laughs> those were the guys for me. Uh-huh. The New York Dolls and the 
CBGB's punk scene are yeah. really a huge influence on what I do. There's a, uh-huh. there's a wide range of things, but this band is focused on that kind of stuff. Yeah. So she sent me to pick them up from their hotel. She's like, oh, by the way, this is what you're doing. I'm like, oh, really? How cool was <laughs> so that? I met, yeah. I met them and have kept in contact. And Ivan was really great and a and huge fan of the Blink Generation record. of that we like we hung out that weekend you know casually and uh-huh, uh-huh. best friends or anything but he talked about the fact that he had a studio on the lower east side of manhattan yeah and he mostly was into recording bands these days still played music but that was kind of his thing so when i wanted to make a single and i had i'm like we should make a single like it was like right a little after via joined the band and we were really kind of really came together into what it is now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i started writing some songs and i'm like i let me keep in my head cbgb's punk mm-hmm. and i kind of mm-hmm. wrote some songs that i thought kind of fit that mold and i looked up ivan online or i called cheryl or nick and said how do i get hold you know, how do i email ivan about working at a studio somehow i got the information and message him and like we'd like to come in for a couple of days and lay down three songs, and he's like, "Let's do it." Wow! And so we drove out to New York and locked up in his basement studio he had at the time, right across the street from Cat's Deli in New York, and knocked out three songs and put it out as a single. Wow! Cool. And is that? It was really great because he he makes it he has he has a certain sound of what he does mm-hmm, how mm-hmm. he records, which was raw but not bad raw yeah some some raw recordings are terrible some punk rock recordings are awful (laughs) great songs great bands horrible recordings (laughs) it's really great sound that is raw and has a little edge to it you can hear everything and he knows you know he's like how about we save that part and do it separately and have it coming out here Mm -hmm. production ideas to go with our production ideas got the really good sounds mixed it but left most of the mixing to him other than let's come in and talk about a couple things over the and we were there for like two and a half days it was really in out quick but focused
Ivan Julian is, is this really influential guitarist who played with Richard Hell and the Voidoids, which you said. Uh, uh, the Clash, I, I hear that he inspired the Ramones. Um, he's a music producer, really, really interesting and, and brilliant guy. Um, but but what what did he impart to you? What what wisdom or or what did you learn from from just being around him or with him? Do it. Yeah. Go go with what you feel. And then if you need to refine it a little bit from there, you can. But that initial yeah. feeling, that initial thought is probably the right thing. You just okay. might have to shape it a little bit. Yeah. As opposed to just changing the idea completely. And, he, and it was just simple to work with. Yeah. He was just like, go for it. He's like, I'm going to get everything set up. We're going to get, how's that sound to you guys? I like this sound. Do you like this sound? I want to make sure everyone's happy and comfortable. And then he's like, if we're ready to do this, tell me when and I'll hit record. And we'd get done with takes and he'd be like, I thought this was a little off. I thought that was a little off. I think we should do it, another take of it. Mm -hmm. you know, and, a, and a couple suggestions I'm sure came out of, you know, maybe if like right there you, you held it instead of playing through minor things. But it just was nice to have his perspective from the outside. Yeah. You know, someone who's heard so much music. Not that we haven't, but he's a little older than us. So he's heard a little mm -hmm. more. He's been around the world a little more than us <laughs> in a lot more situations. So have him just kind of say, if you, if you dropped a little bit right here, or we emphasize that when we get to it in the recording, you know, yeah. get a little higher. And it just was, you know, nice to have a perspective of a guy who's heard a lot, who's really a great player that can kind of suggest some things or at least encourage and support things because he's pretty just this is really great i love this song i like what you guys are doing with it and it all just flowed together really quick and easy and it was nice and intuition know? is such is such an important tool for an artist yes. uh once you've mastered your your craft or your instrument then it really has to be listening to those those intuitive voices when right. when they when they speak to you and 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 following their lead really uh, and he's but, the kind of guy who does that which yeah impressed me about his career because he's just yeah. always gone with well this thing is not working out or fading away or uh -huh. Uh -huh. he had an urge to do something different so he just went with it because it was more important to do yeah what he felt and what he needed to do at the time musically even if it was something different than he had been doing and making mm -hmm. a living at that was easy to do or was paying the bills very easily and could just be a job he's like no you got to keep striving for something else and i feel the same way but yeah. hearing it from yeah. a guy who's really done it was great so it was yeah it was a it was a cool experience and mm -hmm. i just and i just wanted that kind of connection to that time yeah, was, indeed. Was that for us? Because I'm connected to that time as a fan, but barely knew about it when it was happening because I was 12 years old.
there's also an aspect that punk became after the CBGB's thing where it became kind of the same. Yeah, yeah. When, when it became the the English thing made it a little more the same, even though those initial English bands that were all influenced by the New York bands, yeah. even though everyone says, oh, punk came from England. No, it didn't. <laughs> it came from New York showing <laughs> up in England and all going, we can do this. But like hip-hop. It, it hit a certain yeah. point. But it hit a certain point where it became Mohawks and leather jackets like London. Yeah. But yeah. sounding more like the Ramones. Yeah. And everything became that. And it got a little homogenized. Like, mm-hmm. I can't not say London is an influence. Sex mm-hmm. Pistols were amazing. The Buzzcocks were amazing. I mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. London, but the English punk also influences what I do. Just the New York punk was a little more diverse. When you really look at Richard Hell to the Ramones, to Patti Smith, to television, none of them sound alike. Their television's a weird art rock band. Everyone calls them punk, they're a weird art rock band. Original CBGBs but, also also featured poets and spoken word. It wasn't it wasn't exactly. just music. There was it yeah, was they were, they it were was really this saying yeah. something. They all had yes. something to say at that time. Yeah, about the world and and I believe the English was the same because nothing was going well in England and they were all reacting to it. The young people uh, were reacting <laughs> to the old guard. There was more diversity in the music that happened here, and I think part of it was that whole poetry saying and spoken word where yeah. We're going to say things, but we're going to be highly artistic. Where I yeah. think English punks were just like, we're going to rebel. And there was a new like, generation that was right. coming, that was just coming of age right at that time, and and they were they were demanding a new a new interpretation of of music and sound and and, and right. uh, they they came with a new energy, a whole different culture than than the baby boomers who who created rock basically. There's a freshness and youthful energy, and I'm not the first to say this. With with the new EP, that's evident from the first baseline in expiration date. I got to ask, what does expiration expiration mean? I Ex- I couldn't find. Okay. Expiration. Okay. Like something expires. Like everything. Like it's. I copied it from the Bandcamp site, so uh, so I. I color on there. That's always a possibility. <laughs> Yes, but you know what? Now, now, now it's a thing, man. Now it's a thing. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's expiration date. Like, okay. like the milk has an expiration date. Sure, and, like, sure. Things in this world have expiration dates. Uh-huh. And that's what I'm commenting on that things expire at some point. You yeah. know, your thought yeah. may not be the same after this, or what you're thinking might change, and it's mm-hmm. its expiration date. So, which is really this kind of postmodern perspective. Yeah. I had uh, I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago with Kelly Hansen from Foreigner. He has this really cynical view of the future of music, and he was also very critical of the profit margins to artists from streaming services. As are a lot of artists, I'm I'm, I'm sure you yeah. you've got you've got some some thoughts on that as as well. You're at different places with regards to the marketing side. Um, where they can right. throw vast numbers, uh, you know, at, at at advertising and marketing, but the raw exuberance behind your music, I found really inspiring. And and when I first heard you guys, I was it was it was like a, it was like a dawn, uh, you know, it was like it, it was like it was like a cool shower after a really hot day. What does Vince get out? or expect to get out of of a life in music do it because it's the creative thing which goes back to somewhere in my life i tripped over being a creative (laughs) and i don't know how i don't come from a long line of artists or musicians again my fam my parents loved music they would have liked to have maybe played music when they were younger but yeah yeah didn't at the time in their lives and they encourage you they they did that they they found the so free piano in the yeah. neighborhood and got it and gave wow. me the piano lessons and then said my brother's a professional drummer and now a recording engineer mm-hmm. and he started at four years old our uncle the drummer set him up to play and it just took over his life more than yeah. mine until I got a little older so we had encouragement but that was that was the closest direct was an uncle who encouraged my brother to play drums okay. me it was just i did i don't know where i just jumped into doing theater in high school but my parents were always behind it because mm-hmm. again they listened to music they took me and my brother to theater and art <clears throat> museums that's so important so it always is a part of both of us yeah and then after i got into theater i realized i wanted to do more of my own uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, and I think that's where the music falls in. I heard someone say this recently, and but I thought it for years. I liked doing theater. It was fun. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. I was decent at it. I don't think I was ever going to be great at it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know my limits. I did theater in Chicago. I did some great things. But there's always a limit to it because you're doing someone else's work, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is great, which is why I like theater better than movies, because in theater, you go in and you say the playwright's words. If someone hands you a script, do their script. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. With music, I can do all of those things. Yeah, I can write the words how I want them to be, and they're mm-hmm, mine. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm the hard guy on that because most of the time I'm like, it's like this. Even though Lauren once in a while screws up the words, and we end up changing it to her way. <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> but overall, <laughs> I kind of had the control. I'm the director. I'm the yeah, yeah. I'm the writer, and it kind kind of gave me that whole cycle, which I didn't ever really initially think I wanted to do all of those things. Yeah, yeah. But I found I did want to do all those things, uh-huh. and I, I took it in this direction, and then kept it. I wanted the band to be theatrical because of my background. I'm speaking with the artist formally 
known as Vince, a glam trash post post punk uh, rock from Chicago. Their new EP is a problematic opera, uh, which is a great, great collection of songs. I especially loved, by the way, uh, the hooks in Conquer the World, which really sells your talent on on melodic structure, man. that one's a little different than we normally do it's slower pace than we normally do the tempo is not as breakneck as we tend to be <laughs> going back to what we said where i said the punk got a little homogenized yeah there's yeah punk records out there that are three minutes of the same beat and at 12 songs that are yes. all at the same beats per minute fast and loud again there's a lot to it i, I love that it's mm-hmm. lived by that but, but I, I think it shows want variety Indeed, I, I think it shows. I think it shows maybe some of some of your your influential upbringing as well. Um, there's 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 great early Who and and Kink sounds in there. I don't know. You know, a lot of my songs I don't know because I sit and I go on writing binges. Yeah, like I'm going to write a bunch of songs, <laughs> and then I go to my notebook or my notes on my phone where I'm always jotting down a line. Yep. You know, some some a phrase pops into my head. And I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna write that down. So I grab my notebook, or if I'm out in the world, I I have a notes page on my phone that's and I write three or four things down. And then when I go to sit down and actually write, I kind of pull those things out to look at. With that one, I'm somewhere I wrote Conquer the World. <laughs> I just wrote Conquer the World. I'm like, that whole grand idea that I'm gonna take <laughs> over everything, you know hubristic i'm gonna conquer the world and somewhere it took the twist that it's like an encouragement to conquer the world go forth to conquer the world like i'm saying it to someone yeah. a lot of things in the lyrics where i was you know playing with the idea of some repetition in the lyrics which i don't always do but it's a classic thing to do where like the first line keeps getting repeated with you know the answer to it like i do in that one where I was just like, where can I take this? And it is encouraging people to, you know, whoever mm-hmm. it is, they, mm-hmm. you know, say the first line and a follow-up and then say the same thing again with a different follow-up for mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. four couplets, lines, whatever you want to call them. I could do that and then do that for the next verse and do that for the last verse. And I think that that speaks to the, the intuitive nature that w- when you said, I, I don't know. Yeah. 
magazine pages is a great, great follow-up to uh, to conquer the world. Not a toe-tapping song, by the way. Uh, it's more of a drive your foot through the floor um, yes. with these great power chords, man. And that's you know, again Ramones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always wanted to be the Ramones when I started because I'm like, all you gotta do is strum the guitar hard and sing over it, and it uh-huh. doesn't have to be fancy. As much as I like punk rock, my favorite other band is Cheap Trick. Not a punk band, but all the punk bands loved because they yeah. played hard rock and interesting <laughs> and they had something to say and it was clever. And it goes like we were talking about being funny. I think music, I think my lyrics can be funny. Mm-hmm. I'm not writing joke songs. Right. Yardale writes joke songs. He's brilliant at it. Not, that's mm-hmm. not an insult. Mm-hmm. I don't write jokes, but I want to have a sense of humor and something some songs are you know drop dead serious mm-hmm. some songs i just want to have a sense of humor and i hope someone gets it but i'm not writing a parody song i'm not writing a funny joke song i'm just <laughs> writing a song with a sense of humor there's a uh, reminds me of a uh, of a friend of mine another local artist uh who I, I produced his radio show for a while uh flabby hoffman uh, oh yeah yeah you know flabby a little uh, bit. I've done yeah. some shows like when he used to book a lot of shows. And oh, yeah. Out. Okay. Irreverence, I guess, is is the word yeah. that it, what, that I'm looking for. Rather than rather word. than joke or, or or silly, irreverence, rabbit hole, is I, I think remains true to the spirit of punk rock. Uh, it's this great counterculture piece uh, with with a great line: "What you see is what you want." What you see is what you want. just speaks volumes for every generation really but it's a, it's a great song thank you thank mm-hmm. you and then then you then you then with the the title track you offer you offer this post-punk fusion piece uh with with that driving acoustic guitar underneath and then this shock waltz interlude in the middle that somehow works man which I thought was a brave and inspired touch. Save the ship that's going down. Nothing. 
that was just one of those to challenge sometimes uh-huh. yourself to do something different in your own songs and your own writing. And I started writing that one. And again, it goes with my theatrical themes. Mm-hmm. Comes from my theater background. And, you know, our records all kind of have theater and art based titles just because that's been my whole, you know, world mm-hmm. for so many years. And and I started writing it and going with, again, a lot of theatrical imagery. Yeah. And at the point, I'm like, well, it's driving along. Mm-hmm. And then again, very Ramon Z, two chords, just chugging back and forth. And I'm like, how can I change this up? <laughs> and then so and and you did. And yeah, and I went into the waltz, <laughs> which also goes to like a big influence on me, even though it's it doesn't always show, is like uh-huh. like cabaret music. But again, doing that right in the middle of the song, right. it's, it's kind of abrupt, and and then this this sort of you know waltzy cabaret style, and then uh, and, and then you you kick back in. Um, there's there's a whimsy and a reverence there um that is that is purely artistic like i was starting to say like one of my big influences which is and i'm not the only rock person influenced by it but a lot of rock sure it's kurt vile and brecht uh-huh Uh goes to my theater training which introduced me to them and then i realized vile's a brilliant composer and it's not I will never be a composer like that, but I can take some influence from what he did <laughs> and the theatricalness of his music and waltzes and different periods of music and working into the rock music. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and that's kind of the basis of this whole record is that song. I got done with that song yeah. and I'm like, I want to make a record because I want, I already had the production ideas, not completely, okay. but okay. I had the idea that that middle section was not going to just be the rock band playing a waltz. Uh-huh. Find something different and different instrumentation mm-hmm. and i'm a, and it's gonna really you know take a 180 for that section mm-hmm. and how it sounds not only the style of changing you know time signatures and that it's going to be different instruments it's not going to sound like a rock band mm-hmm. for 30 seconds 48 seconds i don't know how long that section actually is the whole song is so short it's pretty quick uh-huh. um, and then we're gonna go barrel back into the four on the floor punk rock <laughs> loud and fast yeah it works it, it works and then, works. And then I, I think it was v who came up with the ending which is not like anything it's just taking the song and turning it into that kind of 50s sounding yeah little thing He's like, if we, you know, I think he just started playing it one day at practice. We ended with the noise and the falling apart. And then he kind of went into it and Chris and Brian followed him. I'm like, <laughs> that's how we'll end it. That's that. That's we'll make that part of it, too, to really yeah. take it to the next level of overproduced and all kinds of different things happening at once. Because I had already heard the rock and roll and I already heard the waltz section in the middle. And I already <laughs> heard that I wanted it to fall apart at the end and be weird and uh-huh. you know, and be a mess and feedback and out of time and noise. And then to bring it back to that little lilting coda that yep. is the song itself, but in yet another style that, you know, popped up. I'm like, there we go. It's like this little, you know, to, to, what I thought of was the Brian Wilson quote of the teenage symphonies to God, <laughs> all his things were going to be I'm like, this is mine. It's like, cause it's, it is 
movements of a piece uh-huh. like classical music which again yep. i'm not writing classical music but there's some different movements and it changes and comes back and revisits and i'm like and we're you know putting extra things into it that we might not it's a it's a problematic use. opera yes <laughs> which is my band we are always a problem and always a mess there you yeah, go always, but we always get through to the end and we do our thing and we entertain so and great stuff is always coming out of it I, I wanted to touch base on a couple of uh a couple of your your earlier um pieces working just working backwards here on display was a really uh we mentioned it earlier a really fun album from 2011 and it has this catchy uh, B-52s-esque song, this uh, this call and response song between you and Lauren that re- reminded me a little bit of, of B-52s, 52 Girls, uh, but it's it's the song of... Well, that was the day you had looking her madness drives the wild. Which is just a fabulous song. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, B-52s are a huge influence on me. Yeah. The band, I saw I saw them on Saturday Night Live when they were on, and I was a kid. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, they, that live, I watched it, and I'm like, oh, what is this? What is this? I think, we all, I think we all had that, that, and, and David Byrne, and, and Talking oh, yeah. Heads. Having oh, yeah, that, there's plenty of those thought, things like yeah, that. Yeah, Devo, but- and... B-52s always stuck out to me because I saw the the Saturday Night Live the night it was live. Uh-huh. And I'm like, what is this? And went out, you know, and I was probably in junior high, 1980, I think it was. Uh-huh. Was just into high school. And, you know, the next time I can get to a record store, I bought that first record, which is still one of my all-time favorite records. Mm. And that's somewhere Lauren and I have gone because she, she, you know, both of us are big New Wave kids, uh-huh. too. Uh-huh. And I have always liked the, the vocals in that band because it's you know fred and the girls and it's like so awesome so lauren and i kind of go with that a lot of the okay. time okay and O really was a perfect place for it yeah it's a great you great know, song because because it's a back and forth between it's hamlet is what yeah it is. yeah you know and that because that's a weird again there's a theater guy coming out the theater guy comes out of me i'm like <laughs> i can i can make a two-minute three-minute version of hamlet which is like one of my all-time favorite plays uh-huh. and i have i probably was reading it at the time when i wrote it because i read that every couple of years i read hamlet or uh-huh. i see a version of it and i was just like i started writing a little riff thing and i was just like wow. something came to mind and i'm like i'm gonna yeah. write hamlet in a song yeah so the back and forth was super easy to be hamlet and the talking back and forth to each other 
Wow. Wow. That's great. Telling the story of what's there, you know, in three minutes distilled, Mm -hmm. the whole arc of the story, but it's all there somewhere. (laughs) All right. For me, I can hear it. I don't know if other people catch it, but it's there. But yeah, that the going back and forth and having that kind of B-52's vocal is great because we're two mm-hmm. characters. You know, we are Hamlet and Ophelia in that song. So we can kind of do the back and forth and together and, and, and create a lot of fun. And again, theater background seeps in a lot in this band for me. I have to ask you about museum music. at your catalog it would be a it would be an easy piece to 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 overlook but i think they'd be doing themselves a disservice it's a decidedly instrumental piece it's this minimalist collection uh i was reminded of brian eno's ambient music or later talk talk with these great whole notes surrounded by negative space talk about why you made that 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 album it was a soundtrack for a museum okay going, going back to my theater days i was in a theater company called the chicago uh-huh. actors ensemble up in uptown uh-huh in bradley center and uh, one of the members came up with this concept let's have a museum and we had this huge old masonic hall in the building that was okay. a theater space okay that we were rehabbing and it was like 30 foot ceilings and it was oh, by 50 and had a little stage on the end. And we were, we were making it safe to use. We had had it as mm-hmm. a rehearsal space, but it wasn't safe for performances. And we turned, you know, we got it together to do performances in mm-hmm. we'd been mm-hmm. smaller. The women's Masonic hall upstairs had been our main space. And this guy in the company came up with, let's do a museum, mm-hmm. and, but interactive. Yeah, some of it will be paintings and sculptures, and some yeah, of it yeah. will be performance and video. And <clears throat> so the first time we did it, they put me in charge of music for a lot of things at the theater because I like to do that. So I did, you know, I'd written some things that were in plays, or I had picked the music and the sound cues. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. the first one to go with what you just said, the first one I used Brian Eno's Evening Star as the soundtrack. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it just played from the four corners of the room very low the whole Mm -hmm. time the museum was open, which would be open like, you know, we did it like a theatrical run where it would be open on like Friday nights from seven to 10 and Mm -hmm. Saturday night and and then Sunday afternoon, you know, for a few hours and you can just come as you want and you can walk through and look at the art and you can see things. And some of it was like someone was making paper. That was their art. So you wrote the music to the space. So I wrote the yeah. So we had this big space, 
and after doing the first one and having the Eno playing, I'm like, I want to do something more when we decided to do another version of it. Sure. We ended up doing it two or th- I think three times. The first time was that, and then we did another run later, and I think we did it a third time. But when we were getting to it, I'm like, I am going to write music for the space. And so Eno was a big influence, always has mm-hmm. been. Mm-hmm. And I sat down um, at a piano. I wrote the first half of it's all piano and the second half is all basically feedback and keyboards. And then uh, on song number two, Carl Lazarowitz with these haunting vocals. Why, why only, uh, why only that one song? Uh, I it just, I don't know. I just kind of, I got done writing that one and I thought of her, she was a op- trained opera singer and uh-huh. my brother's roommate at music school. That's how I knew her. I was lucky okay. enough to okay. know opera singer. And I'm like, would you call Kara and see if she would do this? He's like, yeah. But I wasn't looking for vocals, except that when I thought I had this little line on the piano, I'm like, that would be really cool if it was an opera singer. (laughs) And I brought her in. So yeah, I sat down at a piano and wrote the first five pieces. I think it is on piano. Yeah. And then I went to the piano that I wrote it on at my job. (laughs) (laughs) I used to write it on my lunch hour. And went in at night with my recorder and my brother came along with me because he still lived in Chicago at that time. And I was always recording stuff in a rehearsal space at our parents' house. And I'm like, come along with me and record this stuff. I need someone outside pressing record and helping, helping me along. And then he plays that he plays the percussion on the record. Um, But yeah, it was this great thing that I can do and have play on repeat through the night. Mm-hmm. So we go through the piano pieces, then it would go into the weird feedback, ambient pieces, then it would go back to that. And it got to be my contribution to the museum as a presentation, a display, whatever you want to call what each yeah. little thing in there is. Yeah. Because what I was able to do at the time was borrow the old school, you might remember these, strip that plugs into the output put of say a tape deck oh, okay plug multiple headphones into it yeah from a yep. school yep borrowed that from the school i work at and it was right <laughs> at the time yeah, things were starting to fade from those kind of things anyway so i was able to set up a table in the room with 10 or 12 sets of school headphones uh-huh. and it was playing from all corners <laughs> of the room and there was a lounge. We had a smoking lounge. It was back when you could smoke indoors. Mm-hmm. So a room off to the side. And I created a soundtrack for that. But that was just like I picked song. I curated that. It was songs about smoking, songs that referenced smoking or fire and put those <laughs> in that room. But in the main room, it was playing in the form room. But you could sit down at the table. You can put on headphones and you can just listen to the music for as long as you want it. Oh, nice. Wow. And then I left and I left oh. paper out and let people write me notes about what they thought. I think it's I think it's brilliant that you that that you wrote to uh to the space. I just missed you at my uh one of my favorite haunts, Montrose Saloon, 2933 uh, West Montrose here in Chicago. In 2022, you released Third Man Record Booth, uh, which I think showcased uh, again your your grasp of melody uh with this lo-fi sort of lost Beatles recording mm-hmm. um so you you did minuet on monday that has a great norwegian wood feel uh or an early bob dylan feel 
project every february it's called the february album writing month okay okay and someone started like a friend that played with chris that works over at old town school turned me on to okay uh, and the goal is every february you sit down and you write 14 songs in 28 days okay so i did that i don't know six seven years ago i did the fir- one the first one i ever did yeah and that that turned into my back home record. Okay, it's a solo record. Which is mostly like just me and acoustic guitar. Yeah, a good friend of mine, and, uh, Anna Soltis, just uh, just did that. Cool. I met yeah. Anna at Montrose when I played there last week. Yeah, she's wonderful. She's great. And I listened to you interview Sizzagel. Uh huh. Because I I literally just met Anna two weeks ago, but we obviously we have a bunch. She was there to meet a friend of mine. Uh huh. Said, "Come out, let's hang out." And turned out he introduced me and we no no now i'm really disappointed i didn't go um and i didn't realize she does this but yeah i got turned on to that this one year and i wrote the 14 songs and Uh then i took six or seven of them and made back home because some of and some of those might i don't think they're on this record but i have this tendency to write for the band and i have a tendency to write other songs yeah and i don't ever sit down specifically to write either way but songs come out I went there for the band and I get other songs done. And I'm like, I, I don't want to ever do that with the band. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's why I make these other things, these solo records. Mm-hmm. And so the first year I did it, I made Back Home, which is me and a guitar and my brother playing some organ and percussion on it that we did down at his studio. And so then I didn't, for the next couple of years, I barely did it, but I'd do a couple songs. And then I hit like a three year streak where I, did the 14 songs every February mm-hmm. and minute on Monday, whatever year I did that was one of those. I was on this goal to do the 14 songs and I came home on a Monday and it was toward the end of the month. Mm-hmm. I think I don't mm-hmm. remember if it was end of the month. All I knew is, is like I wanted to do something, but I was kind of low energy. And I think I either had to go into work that night after coming home from my day job or I had plans that night. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm still going to try and get something in in this hour and a half I have free right now before I have to be somewhere else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I grabbed my guitar and I grabbed my phone and I grabbed my notebook and I went in a little whatever space I was working in that year. Because sometimes I write in this rehearsal room I'm in right now. Sometimes I write out in my laundry room. Sometimes I write in my living room wherever I'm at, depending on who's home, if my girlfriend's home, I'm up here. If she's not, <laughs> I might be in the living room. 
But I think I came upstairs and stood in front of my dryer because I remember the one year I wrote in front of my dryer a lot because it worked as a desk. The world is literally your writing stage. Yeah, I can put my <laughs> notebook on top of the dryer. I can have my phone there if I needed to hit record. There you I go. Prefer to be standing so it's a, a good height. And um, I'm like, I'm going to knock something out. And then the concept came to me, do something that is a minute long, you know, to keep it short. Because uh -huh. years, years ago, I started writing a minute long record, like where mm -hmm. all the songs were going to be one minute. I wrote six or seven of them, eight of them. I was shooting for 30. Never got there. Probably have the demos somewhere. Never made the record. But I've always played with the idea of short songs once in a while. Yeah. So this one, I'm like, I'm going to write something that's about a minute. You know, hopefully it'll be a minute. It turns out it's a little longer, but it's, and the idea, and it was on a Monday. Yeah. So, and mm -hmm. that concept, a minute on a Monday. And then I just rolled with it and I knocked it out. Really, that one was like one of those quick ones. Some mm -hmm. songs are quick. Some songs take hours. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful song. And I, and I really enjoyed it. Let me finish with this. Cause we could, we could go on all day here, man. Your friends EP from 2013 really stands out to me. Um, it's a really fine collection. There are two standouts in particular that I want to ask you about. Tom Yor and the song Drugs Away. Who is Tom Yor and why that great song? I've tried to face my future with a long whip and a chair Trembling in the lion's den aware I've stopped the needful dreaming with a well-appointed plan I stopped the dream, I started shaking hands I stopped them all I stopped them all I stopped them all I stopped them all If I recall it rightly There was no one that I knew Tom is a guy I played in a band with he, uh, mm -hmm. I met him at my theater company years ago. Okay. He wrote us a um, pop world beat opera based on Wojciech. Wow. Um, which is a heavy duty, weird play. But he reset it in like the island somewhere. Okay. Had this world beat thing. Uh, the whole cast was African American which was interesting at, in the mid-90s because yeah. we were a, a, a bunch of white people doing theater. <laughs> um, but he wrote this thing, and it, uh -huh. it brought a diversity to our theater, and really we were already on the leads of trying to be colorblind casting when that was a thing, you know, before everyone talked sure. about it, just because we were the company was open and the company existed before I joined it, so it wasn't like it was my idea but it was cool that we always did things like that yeah, yeah Tom did this opera assembled a band for it but he had all these great pop songs mm -hmm. he had a band mm -hmm. but he had, and that's actually the first time i met him his a two-piece version of his band played like new year's eve at our theater we did a play and then afterwards we had a party that were like as a benefit for the theater and it was new year's eve and his band played i'm like this guy's amazing Mm -hmm. and then he did this came in and did this play and i had nothing to do with the play other than i worked box office and things because it was i was there but then he did a performance late night one night with the band and members of the cast doing okay. other songs okay 
And Drugs Away was one of them. I think he did in that first show. If not, he did it in the next time he did the show. Yeah. The, the, just the band show. Mm-hmm. So I fell in love with the song. Then the second version of the band doing a weekend at the theater, he had me come in with some other people to do some backing vocals and performance stuff because it was a very theatrical band. Mm-hmm. And then somewhere along the lines, the third version of the band show, he's like, would you play on a couple songs? I know you play. So I played keyboards on a song. And actually, funny thing is, he had a song called The Museum. Uh-huh. That I think the guy who came up with the concept of the museum at the theater stole from his song. <laughs> I think the first time we did the museum, we would play that song. I think it was his idea. He had the song. Then Greg from the theater company said, let's make a wow. museum. Tom, can I use your song for this? Because they were friends, which is mm-hmm. how Tom showed up. And then, so we're at this point where we're going to do this big theatrical show with the band and mm-hmm. the singers and theater people. And he's like, I would like to just sing this song with um, a woman in the company who would sing some backup. And they had, a very, again, it was very theatrical. Yeah. Very planned out. The band was called The Weird Sisters in Recital. And he went mm-hmm. with the concept of a recital is a planned program. It wasn't where a rock band just playing songs. It's a planned program. So we do this big theatrical. So he's like, I'd like to not sing. Um, would you play bass and let the bass the bass player play guitar and you play bass? I'm like, sure. And that's when I started learning to play bass. And then we did another version of the band where he's like, would you be the bass player? Because the guitar player had left town or the bass player who also played guitar had left town. Mm-hmm. And I became the bass player in this band. So we played this song a bunch of times in there. And then I started doing it in a duet with my brother. Mm-hmm. Just because we mm-hmm. both love the song. And then I was sitting around a few years ago learning how to record on my computer, I think. I can't remember if I did that EP on my four track or if I was starting to learn how to use a computer to record. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I'm just going to record some songs by my friends because I have friends who write great songs. Yeah. And I pulled that song out and my guitar out and relearned it. And there Has he heard it? Has he heard the your yeah, version? Yeah, that was the thing. Is one I, I made the EP and I didn't ask anyone. Uh huh. Because I'm like, I'm like none of you are gonna sue me over doing their songs. <laughs> I'm not gonna make any money doing your songs. <laughs> it's all gonna be good. So I just made it, put it on Bandcamp, and the day I put it on Bandcamp, I sent it to the four songwriters. I said, "Nice surprise! I recorded your song. I hope you're not mad at me, and I hope you like what I did to it." And I and Tom and I hadn't talked in a while at that point because he kind of hides away now. We talk once in a while, which is great. He occasionally goes out and plays music, and I'm, he's on my long list of I'm going to get him out and play a show <laughs> because he's so good and he hides. Yeah, and he yeah. Their songs than anyone I know, and uh-huh. I've been thinking this for like 25 years now. Uh, but I sent it to him, and he's like, "Oh my god, that's so great!" He goes, "I remember you and your brother doing that song a couple times. I saw you guys. You know, he'd come see uh-huh. us, and we, uh-huh. one night we did it in front of him." And he knew we always liked it. So he's like, it's so nice of you to like record my song. And part of like what it is, it's a little more rock for what he does, which uh-huh. fits a little more with what I do. Yet I didn't do it as the rock band. I did it right. solo. Right. But I just always liked the drive of it, the lyrics. And I just was like, since I'd done it for years, I finally decided to commit it to. Yeah, it's a, it's a great song. And I could see it working as a rock song. The other song that I, I enjoyed immensely was here in the Everglades, which has this great Billy Bragg, Peter Case feel to it. Waiting for a train to 
a little bit about that particular song. Scott Lee Wilson. Scott Lee Wilson, I'm sorry. Scott Lee Wilson. Down in Bloomington, Illinois. Yeah. That's Scott in college. He, and then also on the same EP, Books and Pastries by Dean Carlson. Uh-huh. They had a band together. Uh-huh. Where they, they would write the songs, and they had a band called Something Brothers. Okay. And they did that song in that band. Okay. Um, and so I, I always... I, I, I love the song and at some point after they broke up Scott did a recording of it on a solo record that's really cool also and again going to it was at a time I was playing with my brother as a duet yeah he and I did a version of it live I would play guitar and he would play vibes and so I it, it's been with me for years so when I was sitting down I'm like I haven't played Everglades in a long time. So I started strumming it out. I'm like, I remember how to play this. Let me listen to it and make sure I know all the words again. So I I sat down and made a recording of that. And like I said, and I balanced it by doing Books and Pastries by Dean because they were the two main songwriters in the band. Yeah. And they were the the lead singers of the band. They just, two of them just sang and then they had a band around them who all contributed and wrote songs with them also. But it was about the two of them, and Dean is a very good friend. They're both friends, but Dean and I have stayed friends all the year. I, I see Scott, uh-huh. or Dean has been really close with me, especially because when my brother moved to Bloomington to work in a studio and then open his own studio, yeah. he started a band. And I just, I just wanted to play think great songs that have always resonated with me that happen to be by people that I'm friends with. Thing with the fourth song on there, my friend Richard Bacchus, who wrote that "Terrible album. Love," yeah. He used to be a band, great band out of New York called Degeneration, uh-huh. band, and had a good run in the '90s. And now he's in North Carolina with his band, The Luckiest Girls. And he's just a guy I just like his songs. Like he's he's a friend, and I love him. He's a great guy, but his songs just speak to me. And that one really caught me, so I started playing yeah. it alone. And I'm like, I'm gonna do that one too. Just someday, I I, I have a list of songs in this room for friends two and friends three eps that sunday right. I- you'll, you'll, you'll come back we'll talk about them on saturday the, uh, july 29th from 6 to 8 p.m you're performing uh, a uh, a show with uh with lauren it's a vincent lawrence revival at uh the northman at, at, at the riverwalk uh 233 east riverwalk in here in chicago what can uh, what can folks expect to hear from that show I'm going to do a, a first set myself, okay. which is going to be a back home record. Oh, and great. maybe a couple of things from a couple of the other EPs that are on yeah. Facebook, excuse me, Bandcamp that I've recorded in my attic. Mm-hmm. 
um because i got a couple solo eps on there maybe maybe a couple of the friends covers i i gotta practice this week we'll figure that out and then uh the second set will be me and lauren and we will do our old americana folk duet nice the the record she and i made years ago uh we do a bunch of covers in that band just for fun because Uh I, I love playing covers. I don't like singing covers. I don't think I'm good at it. <laughs> you guys sound great together. You and Lauren sound great together. And she's got a great voice. When we started singing together, something clicked, which is yeah. why we've yeah. stuck it out the last 20 some years together doing stuff. And and she's, you know, she's great in all aspects. But the initial was the more folky Americana stuff and yep. all country stuff, which is what she loves all of it like I do. but. Like, I think she's really strongest in that, as strong mm-hmm. as she and doing, you know, Neil Young or doing old country songs, you know, and I can and I can give her some more. I feel like I give her more room in that, even though I give her as much room as possible in the rock band. Like, mm-hmm. I want it to much about her as me. Like, it's nice to, like, break it down to the simple. And, and we'll, we'll throw in a couple of band songs, you know, you know, we did mm-hmm. magazine the other night at Montrose. I'm like, come nice. by song with me and we do one off um on display that the band kind of it kind of faded out of the band set yeah yep. a little more rootsy song so it kind of works really good with just the guitar well, it's it sounds like a great friendship and a uh a great collaboration obviously uh some some great music is coming off of that the new pe from the artist uh, the new ep rather from the artist formerly known as vince is a problematic opera vincerocks.com is a website and the artist formerly known as vince band on facebook for timelier updates i'm taking it right if they want to if they want to know what's going on with the band in yeah, as real time as you know it keep shows posted on the website when there's new music it pops up on the band camp nice. messages wherever possible to folks returning to uh returning to the montrose saloon anytime soon uh i'm sure we will i gotta i gotta talk to them because i'd like to do some more solo shows but i also we've been really busy this summer just individually which yeah. so they're having yeah. a lot of band shows and we're all kind of itching we're just like we just need to line up someone who gives us some dates that we can all do all right. <laughs> yeah yeah we travel with the band is in the works because we did a little quickie north head north tour for three days earlier uh-huh. this summer you guys have gotten uh you guys have gotten some extra attention that that uh that you haven't gotten here at home uh outside the city right especially in on the east coast yeah new york really likes us like yeah. we hooked years ago lauren and i went out there and played a couple shows when we were is there a stronger punk scene in New York than there is here, which is is kind of really underground to a couple it, of clubs? It's kind of the same. There's there's a good rock scene in New York, out in Brooklyn, and a little bit in Manhattan, and we just lucked into it. And in that, like I said, she and I went out and played a couple shows one weekend, where we played like two nights at one club and another night at another <laughs> club, and kind of met some people, and then. Um, some bands came through chicago we met and we met this great band called the choke they're not around anymore but their drummer johnny couch he's a musician to check out Uh well records out um we met them in cleveland at a big festival we played there on fourth of july one year and we kept in contact and we're like and we're still in contact i mean this is like 
more than 10 years ago. Uh, we're still friends, but mm-hmm. I like, the East Coast. I got a few days off work. Everyone's up for a road trip. I'm like, can you help us out? He's like, well, call this place, call this place. I'll call some people. And he hooked us up and we ended up playing like three nights in New York. And it became a thing we started doing every year wow. for about years. And we haven't been in a couple of years between, you know, we were trying to make the record and then the pandemic. And now that the record's out, we're trying to get a trip back out to New York and play with some okay. more rock and roll out there. Stop in Pennsylvania and Ohio, maybe. We've done that in the past. We're supposed to head down to Nashville and play with Brian, even though, again, he's not in the band technically anymore. <laughs> On the record, he's still one of our best friends. Not to say we're not going to make some more music with him. He's an future. honorary member. He's just not a full-time member at this point. Yeah. So he, uh, when are you guys coming to Nashville so we can do a release show here and I can play? Because <laughs> he can make the Chicago show something caused it caused uh, some scheduling issues and he couldn't play the release show here he initially was supposed to because we wanted him to be a part of it because he made the record and yeah. was over the years he's like when are you guys coming to nashville so we're, like we're juggling dates right now when we can cruise down to nashville and play a show with him on drums and there you go to his folks and the and i we know a bunch of folks in nashville over the years i know a lot nice. of musicians Nice. Again, uh, a problematic opera is the EP. Uh, I'll post links for listeners to pick up that fine music uh, and check out the early stuff too. Uh, highly recommended. You will not be disappointed. And anytime, by the way, Lauren or Yvonne want to come on the show, uh, it, I'd, I'd love to get a get a, a long uh, a long assessment or, or long view of of the state of music and punk music in in particular from from mr julian but anytime that that he or lauren want to come on and and give their side of the story uh i'll be here brother in in the meantime vince thank you so much man this was wonderful you were great thank you thanks for having me it's been a good conversation And I'd like to thank my guest, the artist formerly known as Vince. A link to his music is in the notes below. And a special thanks to Richard Hell and the Voidoids and the band Television for their songs, which were used strictly for educational purposes. Please feel free to share this podcast. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please click the subscribe button for notifications about future guests and programs. Until then, for playtime... I'm W.C. Turk. It's time to give it up. That baby has no song.